The Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involves varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Know the difference. Now, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News. Good morning, Southwest Florida. Hello, Naples. Here we go. Annex Wealth Management Show on the air at 92.5 Fox News for Sunday, January 9th. Quick housekeeping note, this is show number 110 for us in this time slot. But next Sunday, we're going to shift to 12 noon. We're going to have a whole hour because there's a whole lot more on the Annex Wealth Management story that we want to share. So if you're a fan at this time, we sure hope you can join us at noon next week. And if not, if you ever come in late on the show, it's always on the Annex Wealth Management Spotify channel. I'm Danny Clayton. Derek Felsky is our Chief Investment Officer. Good morning to you. Good morning, Danny. Hey, Dave Spano, President and CEO of Annex Wealth Management. Good morning to you. Good morning to you. Good morning. In Florida. There's no question we have a lot to cover, and we are going to spend some time covering some economic news. And while that may seem boring, you have to understand that it's directionally connected to which way the stock market goes. So earlier in the week, we had some FOMC minutes, and then on Friday, we had a jobs report. Right, and the jobs report, you know, the headline number was, was a miss of economists' expectations coming in at 199,000 versus an estimate of 422. Uh, but what you had add back revisions to the data, then it comes out to 340, a little closer to expectations. But the real good news there was wages were up 0.6% in December. So they're up 4.7% versus a year ago. And in addition, civilian unemployment, which actually includes small business startups, was up 651,000, which is part of the reason why the unemployment rate got to 3.9%. Yeah, 3.9%. That is certainly a number we haven't seen since before the pandemic. And so the reason why we bring that up is because because there's monetary policy that has been accommodative. And you have to question if now is not the time to normalize monetary policy, why put continue to put money into the markets when the labor market has tightened up? Right, and, and Powell had said he wasn't going to hike rates until it was going to basically have to pass a stricter test than the, than the simple decision to taper their bond purchases. And certainly at a 3.9% employment rate versus the 50-year low of 3.5 that was experienced just before the beginning of the pandemic, it certainly gives the Fed all the ammunition they need to begin tightening potentially in March. One of the jobs, of course, with the Federal Reserve is not just jobs, but it is price control. And Derek, you called this several months ago to say, watch out for a 4% hourly earnings. And by the way, we're now at 5%. And that sometimes is a harbinger. Right. It is a sign of, of labor market tightness. We, we do know there are lots of job openings. We also know many people have yet to return to the labor force for any number of reasons. Parents who have to stay home with their kids uh, during the COVID uh, situation situation and the rest. Uh, but generally speaking, the U.S. economy is on very strong footing. And that's one of the reasons why you typically see stock markets rally as Fed tightening nears because the economy is so strong, supporting profits and, and corporate ability to pass on gains to their shareholders. And the other thing that we saw earlier in the week was an FOMC or Fed minutes. We have to point this out and we'll tell you why we keep bringing it up. Uh, we keep bringing it up essentially because, you know, when you value assets, interest rates matter a lot. They're probably the key component. And, and as interest 
interest rates move around, valuations of risk assets change. And the one thing the Fed talked about, in addition to tapering during their last meeting, was also the, the notion of allowing the balance sheet to shrink passively. By that, I mean when their bonds mature, rather than buy them again, just let them mature and let the cash go to the private sector as opposed to into the Fed's coffers. And that certainly spooked the markets because we saw equity markets really jump around, and it really wasn't new news. No, it really wasn't. That's why I always caution people don't react to headlines because oftentimes, you know, the algorithms that are that drive a lot of the stock trading are much quicker than human beings can be. So whatever news comes out, it's probably already been discounted. Oftentimes, it leads to an overreaction. Well, let's just dig into that because I'm not sure everyone caught that piece, but there are algorithms that search headlines for certain words, and when they see them, they plug in a trade. Right, they, and they do it lightning fast. I mean, it's incredible, really. About 35% of the volume on a typical day is algorithmic driven, and that can be good or bad, depending on which side of the trade you're on. And so one of the things that you have to take away from this is where do we go and what is the direction of equity markets? We have about 45 seconds left, Derek. There's probably going to be a rotation. Where do you see that happening? Well, we're seeing it into cyclical areas. Typically, before the Fed tightens, you see energy, basic materials, and technology stocks do well. And that's still happening, even though a lot of the tech weakness is being highlighted. It's really in the higher multiple price of sales type technology companies, ones that are more story stocks than actually companies that earn money. Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer at Annex Wealth Management. Dave Spano is our President and CEO. We've got them for the rest of the show. This is show number 110 for Annex Wealth Management. It's our last show in this time slot. We move to 12 noon next week. All 110 of the shows that we have done here, we have said know the difference because there is a significant difference between financial advisors. It's one team, one plan, one fee here at Annex with investment retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning. We do it as a fee-only fiduciary. There are many, many differences. We urge you to head to our website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Let's get you lined up for 2022 and beyond. How about that? We're going to be back in a bit. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. We'd like to think a new year wipes the slate clean, but we're realists at Annex Wealth Management. Challenges remain. Market volatility, taxes, a pesky virus. It makes you wonder, what's next? Annex Wealth Management is ready to face those issues with you as a fee-only fiduciary with Wealth Metric. More than a portfolio review, it addresses your investment, retirement, and tax plan. If you ask, how am I doing? Or more importantly, what am I missing? Visit AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. We're ready. Know the difference. Annex Wealth Management. Need help? Head to AnnexWealth.com and click the Get Started button. Now back to the Annex Wealth Management Show. Act 1, Scene 3, Hamlet from William Shakespeare. There's the line, to thine own self be true. Good advice, but when it comes to money, it might be the opposite. We found a list of seven money lies we tell ourselves. Deanne Phillips is Director of Client Learning Development, a CFP and a CDFA at Annex Wealth Management. She is here to talk about them. Hey, Deanne. Hello, Danny. I knew you knew that line. Uh, Absolutely. Because why? (laughs) Because that was my major and undergraduate. Still waters run deep. They do. (laughs) All right. The first money lie we tell ourselves is, I'll be happier when I have X X amount. Amount. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, we're used to thinking in terms of end games, right? So it's logical to think that one might say, well, when I have X amount of dollars, I'll have made it. However, 
Life isn't linear. Neither are Shakespeare plays. Neither are our finances. So expenses and cash flows don't come in and go out smoothly all the time. And we're aware of this. It's great to have those goals, those target numbers, but there isn't a magic number that equates to happiness. What's a lot for some isn't a lot of money for others. Just like people, finances are personal to someone's situation, lifestyle, health, and all that. If we rely on that special magic number, we're actually setting ourselves up for disappointment if we don't achieve it and then maintain this happiness, you know, from there on out. But, you know, here's the thing, though. When we make progress toward our goals, it scientifically is satisfying. So whether or not we hit that magic target, we need to make progress. I'm probably going to butcher it, but there's the famous Rockefeller line where they said, well, how much money do you want? And he said, one dollar more. Right? <laughs> right, okay. right. Money line number two, I deserve it regardless of whether I can afford it. Yep. As humans, we love to rationalize our behavior, justify our actions. And let's face it, we've all been through a lot. So with the stimulus that came, bonuses, it's easy to say, hey, I work hard. It's been tough. I deserve this expense. That's usually used to soothe the sting of expensive purchases, the things that aren't really essential. You know, one off, that's okay. But with frequency, that can derail a financial plan. Money line number three, more of a declaration. I have strong financial willpower. Uh Uh-huh. Many of us think we do. So I say this, show me your actual spending. I will show you what you value. Uh, Not my line, but a great one and very true. When was the last time that we really, really wanted something and we didn't get it? Even if it means we went back the next day and got it, right? That's just how we work. The average American spends at least a couple of $100 a month on impulse purchases. And when you add stress to that mix... Well, we're likely to spend even more. And that's probably why impulse spending shot up about 18% last year in 2020. Utilizing our phones and credit cards instead of cash, it makes it so easy. The average credit card shopper spends about 10% more with their cards than they would if they were actually pulling out their billfold and using cash. What's that old saying? You're spending money you don't have to buy things you don't, you don't need, need to impress people you, you don't, don't like. care about, right? <laughs> right? Or you don't okay. like, right, right. Deanne Phillips is a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management, talking about seven money lies that we tell ourselves. Number four, I'll save more later. Yeah, Danny. Okay, I'm going to show my age in this one, but you'll get this. I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today, right? right? Uh, Yeah, people buy now and they think they'll save later or they'll pay the piper later. This might be what we have left over and without any real savings goal, right? Um, Fewer than one in six of us are saving more than 15% of our income and one in five people aren't saving anything. It's important to give a nod to how important the future you is to be serious about having enough money in retirement. No one wants to dramatically cut their lifestyle when they retire. Speaking of the future, money line number five, I have plenty of time to plan for my (laughs) financial future and I don't need to think about it yet. You know, so I have clients that come in and they say that this is their kiddo, right? Because they're so young. When we're young and we're facing those decades of work, even before retirement, It can seem so far away that there might be an urge to put it off, put off all that planning. This gives more room in our minds for excuses and to spend however we want now. You know, one of my favorite quotes is from Benjamin Franklin. I say this all the time, by failing to prepare, you're preparing to fail. Moving through a list of seven money lies that we tell ourselves, number six, there's good and bad debt. And this is where it confuses me because I thought some debt is needed. So how bad is it? Yeah, so this one might be a money lie, but we really need to retool and rethink this. I say this all the time, Danny. We have to follow the math on this one. There's actually better debt 
when compared to factors like earnings, inflation, current economic circumstances. Let me give you an example. Many people have mortgage debt, right? And this is a great environment for low rates. People are refinancing into a two and three quarters, 3%, right? If an investment portfolio is making double that, and the mortgage debt is half that, well, that does look like smarter debt because the investments are doing better. So it's really about a comparison. Why, why would you take money out of something that's growing and lock it up in your house just to have the house paid off? Now, there may be other reasons, and it goes back to your financial plan, but this really is mathematical as well as emotional. You need to explore both of those sides. We do tend to assign moral value to debt, And we have to remember, all debt does come with a cost. There's nothing for nothing, right? It's critical to understand how every loan affects our current and future selves. So focusing on that total cost of interest over time versus total earnings over time, that's what's important. Working through a list of seven money lies we tell ourselves, not trying to beat you up here because here's where I think it turns around. This is a lie. Wanting more is bad. It's not bad. No, it doesn't have to be. Ever hear of it's not having what you want but wanting what you got. So while that's true, wanting more for yourself and loved ones isn't innately bad. What we don't want to do is trick our mind into telling ourselves that we'll just settle for less and let that affect our behavior, like saving less to justify our current spending to the detriment of our future self. This money lie holds us back, and it can be hard to improve our financial behaviors. But wanting more can be a positive motivator. Dan Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, CFP and a CDFA at Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. It starts with a call. With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice, help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com. Custom-tailored investment and retirement planning from a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? We're going to talk about paying off a mortgage and why that makes sense and why it might not make sense. Joining me, Eric Strom, CFP and a financial planning manager at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, Danny. So the ballpark figure I've seen is about 64% of Americans owning a home. And owning a home typically means having a mortgage, and a mortgage is typically the largest debt a consumer will have. In your experience, is it a realistic goal to pay off a mortgage as soon as possible? I know that's a loaded question. Well, it's it comes down to those famous words in financial planning. It depends. Yep. Right. There's so many factors. How old are you? How much longer are you going to work? Where are interest rates? And many, many more factors as well. So our president and CEO, Dave Spano, will always talk about the head and the heart. I guess that gets the heart part gets into the mental aspect of paying off a mortgage. But again, sometimes it depends. It might not make sense. But what about the heart part? The psychology aspect of this is crucial because many financial planners say don't pay off a mortgage because the rate is so low so you can invest and earn more than that, right? I mean, we've all heard that. But it's not that simple because for many people... Paying off their mortgage provides a huge sense of relief and a peace of mind, and you just can't ignore that factor. Maybe you wipe that debt. You do have a lot of cash flow freed up that can be deployed in other ways. That That's one financial aspect, right? Right. That's one of the financial aspects. And also another, 
mortgage rates are historically very low right now and your mortgage rate is likely pretty low. Another factor is the younger you are, the more you have compound interest and time on your side. So for a younger person, maybe it's contributing to that Roth IRA that might be an attractive alternative to paying down the mortgage. Here's another factor to consider. How far into the loan are you? Because remember, mortgage interest is weighted towards the front of the loan. So where you are in the loan is an important consideration. Another one, and this is a big one, if you were to pay it off, Danny, where would the money come from? Mm. There might be tax considerations to where you might pull that money to make a large payoff of your mortgage. So I was in my mid-30s and I left a company and was involved in their company stock program and, and had, had a windfall, I guess I'd call mm-hmm. it. Without talking to a financial planner, I paid the mortgage off. And I still wonder if that would have been a good idea or a bad idea. But mentally, it was kind of nice to kind of clear my mind. I don't remember, but how many mortgages have prepayment penalties? Is that something people need to research? Yes, because... Some lenders do charge a prepayment penalty when some or all of your mortgage is paid off. And it's important to check the fine print of your mortgage just to make sure uh, whether or not you actually have that prepayment penalty. Annex Wealth Management, we work with a wide variety of clients in, in various ages. Is there a rule of thumb about being mortgage-free at retirement? Does that matter? Well, I have to address the elephant in the room. It is very common to consider taking a large distribution from a pre-tax account, so an IRA or a retirement plan at work, in order to pay off your mortgage. That is incredibly common that people are considering that. But that decision could have significant, and I mean significant, tax ramifications. So it's incredibly important to make sure that wouldn't derail the success of your financial plan. That's something to think about. But if you set that issue aside, some planners say, you know, you asked about rule of thumbs, Danny. So some planners say, always pay off your mortgage by retirement, or maybe even before retirement. On the other extreme, some financial planners, including some very prominent ones, say, hold a mortgage for your entire retirement, even deep into retirement. What's the true answer? I think that the actual answer is in between and does depend on your specific situation, all the various factors we're talking about today. Eric Strom is a CFP and a financial planning manager at Annex Wealth Management. Uh, This gets into those planning questions that we might get from clients when we review assets. Does having a 30-year or 15-year, does that make any difference? Do Do we advise on that? It does make a difference because remember, mortgage interest is weighted towards the early years of the loan. So you want to know where you are in your loan. And even though you might have a 30-year or a 15-year fixed rate mortgage, did you know, Danny, that the average mortgage is held for significantly less than 10 years because Mm. of refinancing or paying it off early? So yes, it does matter because that 15-year, although it has the higher payments, you've got generally making a lot more progress on paying down that balance. So that is an important consideration for sure. And then there's people that kind of shorten their mortgage just by paying extra toward the principal. Do we see that? Yeah. And for the right person in the right situation, extra principal payments can make sense because what you're doing when you do that is those extra principal payments are reducing the -hmm. the balance. And then when the interest is calculated next month, it's lower. So, but you've got to weigh that decision against other options for allocating your dollars because it's not always the right choice. You, you kind of sort of got at it. And again, this is what the financial planning team does at Annex Wealth Management, but don't let getting that mortgage paid off make you forget about other goals that might be a little bit more important at credit card debt, student debt. Mm-hmm. You mentioned uh, IRAs of, of various types, things like that. Yeah, it's important to consider the interest rate of the debt that you're considering paying off. High interest rate debt has to take a higher priority. If you've got a credit card at 18% interest, 
you've got to look at that first. But also, don't forget about retirement savings. The younger you are, the more time you have on your side to have that compound interest. Your money can grow and double and double again when you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s. But once you're in your 50s and beyond, it does become a viable option to talk with your financial planner about potentially paying down that mortgage a little more aggressively. For investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning, we do it as a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference? Our website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Start the wealth metric process. Eric Strom, CFP and a financial planning manager at Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for jumping on. Thanks, Danny. We'd like to think a new year wipes the slate clean, but we're realists at Annex Wealth Management. Challenges remain. Market volatility, taxes, a pesky virus. It makes you wonder, what's next? Annex Wealth Management is ready to face those issues with you as a fee-only fiduciary with Wealthmetric. More than a portfolio review, it addresses your investment, retirement, and tax plan. If you ask, how am I doing? Or more importantly, what am I missing? Visit AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. We're ready. Know the difference. Annex Wealth Management. We can review. Know the difference minutes. Planning topics, including investments, retirement, tax, and estate. It's all on the Annex Wealth Management YouTube channel. Just search Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. Annex Wealth Management works in your best interest. Can your advisor say that? This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. We're back. It's the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News, Sunday, January 9th. Next week, we're going to be on at 12 noon, so we're going to get a whole hour, so I hope you can join us for that. As always, if you come in late on the show, it's on the Annex Wealth Management Spotify channel, so you can catch us there. I'm Danny Clayton. Derek Felsky is our Chief Investment Officer, still with us, and along with Dave Spano, our President and CEO at Annex Wealth Management. Thanks, Danny. You know, at the beginning of the show, we talked a lot about the Federal Reserve and jobs reports, and obviously, it's directionally connected to the stock market, but one of the things that we're certainly going to watch is the midterm elections and so much is going to be made of that as we head into the year and one of the talking points is inflation supply chain do you think that it's going to clear up by the time we get to the end of the year the supply chain yes um I think the supply chain will will get better, but what I really see is it's not so much a supply chain issue, it's really just explosive demand that is much stronger than anyone anticipated, including the Federal Reserve. And as a result, we are seeing higher prices because if you look at the data, we're already producing above pre-COVID levels, semiconductors included. U.S. industrial output is above pre-COVID levels. Sales of S&P 500 companies were above pre-COVID levels. Retail sales are 23% above pre-COVID levels. And import are above pre-COVID levels. So this is a very, very strong economy, and we're just not able to keep up with the demand as a result of people having to, you know, for example, a pilot, you know, he calls in, he can't fly the plane, they have to cancel the flight. That curbs demand, but ultimately that demand is going to be satisfied down the road. So, you know, you know, we all know this fact that supply and demand in this whole conversation, and a lot of people argue that this is a supply side economy. I think there is an argument here that it is not. It is a demand side argument. I think, I think that's an interesting perspective. Well, I think, you know, it's just we, you know, we all do we do a lot of research on the investment team and we really try to, you know, dig down deep. We don't just read headlines and make a, and, and just wing it. Uh, there's a, there are a lot of facts and oftentimes the, the popular um, explanation is the wrong one. And so when we go through, uh, you know, concerns that we have throughout 2022, there's obviously geopolitical concerns around the world. You can look, obviously, at Russia and what's happening. Were they at the border of Ukraine? You obviously, you can talk about what is happening in the Middle East. And then lastly, of course, is China and their response to COVID, their response to Taiwan. 
and in reaction to their own civilians, I do think geopolitical pressures are going to ramp up in 2022. Right, and, and that, that will go along with the volatility you typically see during a midterm election year. Historically, on average, we've seen a drawdown of 15% in the S&P 500 during midterm years. That does not mean one runs out and sells all their stocks and hopes to time the bottom. It doesn't necessarily happen every time, but it certainly suggests that people ought to be looking at what they own so that when we do have a correction, if we do, of that magnitude, they can take advantage of it. Well, thank you, because that's exactly what I was going to do. I was going to set you up and say, because of all this volatility with the elections, with uncertainty, with the Federal Reserve, of course, geopolitical, that's likely going to give you an opportunity. That doesn't mean it's a binary decision, all in or all out. That means that you should create your asset allocation to take advantage of it. Right. And so, you know, so now's a great time to prepare a shopping list. My guess is many people out there are probably underinvested in energy stocks. And if you think about it, uh, the, the environmentalists and the and the lack of investment in production uh, on the energy side, for example, from companies like Mobil and Chevron, could lead to a short-term spike in the price of oil, which would obviously bless the holders of, of energy stocks, which also happen to pay great dividends. Oh, so lastly, of course, there could be a rotation from growth to value, from domestic to international, but you mentioned some sectors in energy and basic materials have been on the bottom of the 11 sectors of the S&P 500 for a significant amount of time, and that's the rotation we're talking about. Right, and just, just as, as one example, Apple briefly touched $3 trillion in market cap this week. That is more than the entire energy sector combined. There used to be 50 energy companies in the S&P 500. There are now only 23, which gives you a sense that that's a very unloved sector even still. Derek Felsker, Chief Investment Officer at Annex Wealth Management, thank you for joining us uh, this morning, and we'll see you next week at noon. My pleasure. Dave Spano, President and CEO of Annex Wealth Management. We often say, know what you own and know how much you're paying for it. If when you look at your statement, it's just a bunch of letters and numbers, um, we've got a team that can look that over. That is the first step when you click the Get Started button at Annex Wealth Management. And that's what you need to do. Head to AnnexWealth.com, click that Get Started button. We'll get you going 2022 and beyond. How about that as a fee-only fiduciary? See you in a week. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. The Annex Wealth Management Show is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation.